we are back in business. Welcome to y'all, the show all about the South on this 27th day of August. It's a Monday. I'm John Rawl. Thank you for listening to y'all talk with a Southern accent. On today's program, we're going to talk about hurricanes and their economic impact later this hour. You'll want to listen in. We've got an expert from CNBC that we found a report from her, and we're going to share some of that knowledge as Believe it or not, when September comes, a lot of people they get a lot more concerned about bad hurricanes coming to the southeast. And what we want to talk about here on our Y'all Street Business Report is that economic impact. It is a major, major thing that's happened with hurricanes such as Katrina and Harvey and more. And we'll discuss that later this hour on the Y'all Show. We've also got hashtag hullabaloo this hour. And in hour two, we've got Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Takapola Way, that's going to be stopping by with a great report about working. And he works like a cat. <laughs> and we'll tell you about Jerry and his short stories coming up in hour two. Plus, we've got some sports headlines. College football began Saturday. We've got a handful of games that we're going to report on, including a great game in Montgomery, Alabama, between North Carolina A&T and Jacksonville State. It went down to the wire. And there was a little bit of an upset at the Crampton Bowl. We'll have that report. Plus, a NASCAR driver and the N-word, or the word that starts with an N, as I like to talk about it, and how that's in the news. And it is a shame that it's even in the news. We'll talk about that in hour two of today's Y'all program. Hope you had a good weekend. Hopefully the weather cooperated. We're getting ready to turn that page over into September. It's our last week of August. Labor Day's around the corner, and we've got to go full throttle throughout the rest of the year. And Christmas will be, I mean, we're less than four months away from Santa Claus coming. Man, the year is flying by. We're glad that you have chosen to make y'all a part of your day here on this Monday. Well, sad news on Sunday in Jacksonville, Florida, as a gunman opened fire during a Madden 19 NFL tournament at a restaurant there at the kind of tourist area of downtown Jacksonville. Two people were killed by this gunman who then turned the gun on himself. And a witness has been describing this as a person who became angry after he lost an event there at the Madden 19 NFL tournament. The shooter who died as a result of shooting the gun and killing himself was David Katz, who came to Jacksonville from Baltimore. And many people were injured as a result of this. This is a developing story. But yeah, this David Katz has been identified as the shooter in Jacksonville, Florida, Sunday. A horrible scene and what should have been a fun tournament for gamers. And this guy evidently became very emotional. And there's video of, of people playing games when this erupted. And we don't like to see that. And another case of violence in our beloved region and a case of violence in Florida, which has seen more than its share of unfortunate incidents of, of shooters in the last year. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham has come out with a statement after his longtime friend and fellow Senator John McCain died on Saturday. Graham tweeted out, America and freedom have lost one of her greatest champions and I've lost one of my dearest friends and mentor. I will need some time to absorb this, but I want Cindy and the entire McCain family to know they are in my prayers. McCain died Saturday at the age of 81 after a long 
cancer fight, and it came out at the end of last week he was going to stop cancer treatment. Now, Lindsey Graham, of course, if you go back to the 2008 campaign for president that McCain had, Graham was at McCain's side, I think, every hour of every day, it seemed. He was constantly with John McCain. I thought if you were a South Carolina resident, you ought to get this guy out of office, Lindsey Graham, that is. He was never in South Carolina. He wasn't working for the people of South Carolina in 2008. I don't know what he had up his sleeve. I don't. I, I, it was rather strange. But Lindsey Graham, he was very close to John McCain. And Lindsey Graham coming out with a very emotional statement because I don't think there was a closer person in the Senate to McCain than Lindsey Graham. Now, there were other senators that were all close to John McCain and other politicians. And we know now that Presidents Barack Obama and George W. Bush are going to be speaking at the funeral for John McCain this week. President Trump will nowhere be near there. And that's probably a good thing for all parties involved because there was de definitely contention between the two. However, I will give the president credit as soon as the announcement came Saturday evening of McCain's death. He did tweet out his sincere sympathies to McCain's family. And, and so... We, uh, that's what he should have done. I'm not going to give him too much credit, but John McCain, who had roots in the state of Mississippi, that's where his family originally came from, dying at the age of 81, the Arizona senator, and of course the, the POW from the Vietnam era, spent five years in the Hanoi Hilton. That is a long time. And I just got to say, you know, Godspeed John McCain, not John Glenn, course uh, we appreciate what he did in our service and all that but I'll always have a little jab at John McCain and he had a sense of humor and I'm gonna poke him here in his uh, passing he cost me like $500 one time he was supposed to come to Oxford Mississippi in 2008 for a big presidential debate between he and Barack Obama everybody down there and I was living in Oxford at the time they thought they were gonna get rich because all these members of the press and all these people from all over the world were coming for this first presidential debate of 2008 and it was going to be a really, really big deal. Well, if you remember back in 2008, there was some kind of issue going on in Washington with the budget, I think. And McCain decided to make a stand. And he wasn't going to be able to go to this debate because he needed to stay in Washington and, and, and try to pass this legislation or, or fight it. I don't even remember what all was going on. Well, Barack Obama was a senator just like McCain. And Barack Obama, to his credit, he had a great comeback. He said, you know, if you're running for president and if you become president, you got to multitask. And I'm going to Oxford, McCain, and you should too. And ultimately, McCain did come at the very last second. But because of this whole potential not even coming, no major news outlets, no just massive amounts of people came to this debate. And I had paid to sponsor a reception in Oxford for all these great media members that were going to go hobnob with people like me and nobody was there. I went to the party and they had some good food and drink, but everybody there were people I already knew. They weren't from New York and Washington and California. So I didn't get refunded. He cost me money, his, his decision making. And frankly, I'm not sure it didn't help to his demise in the election. If he was that bad in his decision making to come to a debate it cost him in the presidential election but as a lot of people said they didn't think there was any way he could win that anyway against Obama Obama had everything going for him in 2008 John McCain dying at the age 
of 81. Well, Tuesday is going to be a big day in the state of Florida as there's a primary for Republicans and Democrats going on in the Sunshine State, and the race for governor is heating up in Tallahassee. And there's some candidates going on right now in the state of Florida that you might want to keep your eye on. President Trump has already endorsed Republican Congressman Rick DeSantis ahead of this debate, and the Democrats also gearing up for what's going to happen there. Governor Rick Scott is leaving his office as governor. He's running for U.S. Senate, and that also is an issue on the for, for people to discover and find out in the Tuesday primary in the state of Florida. But Trump, again, going for Rick DeSantis in this primary on Tuesday. And then as far as his competition in the election on Tuesday, you've got Adam Putnam, who is in the GOP primary, and he's the current agricultural commissioner in Florida, but he's going up against DeSantis. So redheaded, 44-year-old commissioner there. Been a fixture in politics in Florida for a while. We'll have more on the Florida primary on Tuesdays, y'all, but just want to give you a heads up that is going on Tuesday if you are in the Sunshine State. Four people were killed in a small plane crash in Swainsboro, Georgia over the weekend, and one of the people killed was a member of the U.S. Army Parachute Team, the Golden Knights, 31-year-old Staff Sergeant Elikanser Beryadzevich, and I hope I said that right. He was from North Carolina, but he was among those killed. Uh, just a, a tragic thing as the plane was taking off at the East Georgia Regional Airport Saturday, and it crashed. Four people dying. The plane was owned by the Jumping Place Skydiving Center in Georgia, but four people dying in a plane crash right there in Swainsboro, Georgia. MS-13, a member of that group, has pleaded guilty to murdering and hacking a man to death with his machete. Jose Luis Escobar Humana, age 23, pleaded guilty at the end of last week to murder and other crimes as he pled guilty in Albemarle County Circuit Court in Virginia for killing Marvin Joel Rivera Guevara, first-degree murder, abduction, lynching, and being a member of a criminal street gang. That's what he pled guilty to. But in a case of MS-13 operating in the South, and here a member charged with hacking to death a man who was killed for speaking ill of the notorious gang last year. And this man, Escobar Umana, hacks him with a machete and kills him. Send him downriver immediately and never to be heard from again if we can help it. Sad story coming from North Mississippi. A high school football player for Bahalia High School collapsed during a game Friday and then subsequently died in Memphis. The Marshall County School Superintendent said that 16-year-old Dennis Mitchell, who attended Bahia High School, which is just south of Memphis, was playing a game in Cahoma County, which is Clarksdale, Mississippi. And after playing a quarter and a half, the defensive lineman came off the field during the second quarter and was cheering the offensive on the sidelines, and then he collapsed. He was rushed to the hospital but never regained consciousness and died in Memphis. 16-year-old football player for Bahalia High School in Mississippi. Sad news there. A football game Friday night in Little Rock called the Salt Bowl had to be canceled after a safety scare happened at War Memorial Stadium. That's where the Razorbacks of Arkansas play a few games. And this game, a high school game, was going on, and 
something happened where it sounded like shots being fired and people became very scared and it led the police there to say that a small fight escalated when the barricades fell. It sounds like shots being fired. Social media has reaction to the fans. People people are scared. And when you got more than 30,000 fans, I think this game had 38,000 people at War Memorial Stadium. The Salt Bowl, which features Benton High School and Bryant High School, which are two schools just to the southwest of Little Rock. There are two towns called Benton and Bryant. I think they're like five miles apart from each other. A nice area. I've been able to go to Benton before and spend the night. Had a good time there. But yeah, this is the salt bowl between these two rivals. And 38,000 people were at War Memorial Stadium for this contest Friday. And this scare happened and they ended up canceling the game. A sad thing for the fans, for the football players and such at the salt bowl. What a great name <laughs> between these two teams. And Little Rock Police had to cancel it, and I don't think there's any plans to make it up. But Bryant was leading 28 to 14 when it was canceled, so maybe they'll get an honorable mention win or something like that. But I still find it hard to believe that 38,000 people were at a high school football game. I know in Texas they pack them in, and they they love their high school football in in Texas, but. This, this actually, this game, was I'm sorry, it was Saturday night the Salt Bowl was held, not Friday night. Saturday night lights at War Memorial Stadium. But it's a real scare, and I hate to see this. Now, I read also Friday night in Jacksonville, they had a person killed at a high school football game there. So there's, there's always been tension in high school football, with fans especially. And now with the preponderance of guns available, especially amongst kids and tension and you got hormones going on in a lot of cases where people try to show off and such having a gun in the mix is not a good thing especially a high school game and I know there's a lot of security available and a lot of uniformed officers with weaponry at high school football game but man when you have 38,000 people for a high school game I mean that's like three times as many people that come to some college football games, especially in the Sunbelt Conference. But sad news there is they have to end the salt bowl. No winner at War Memorial Stadium. A Florida mayor and his girlfriend have been arrested on domestic battery charges. The mayor of Port Ritchie, Florida, Joseph Massad, and his lady friend, Cash Joseph, arrested for domestic battery charges. That's in the Tampa area. They had a physical altercation, and the Pasco County Sheriff's Office reported that Joseph had an injury to her neck and under her arm consistent with domestic violence. She admitted hitting Masad in the back of the neck and the middle of his back. So they both go off to jail. But the mayor of Port Ritchie, Florida, headed to jail for domestic violence, and his friend that's a lady, Cash Joseph, she also goes to jail. He's 68, she's 57. Got that younger woman. And they just didn't get along, evidently, over the weekend. And they both go to the, uh, to the jail cell. Hey, gun rights enthusiasts have a new friend. And that is a Tennessee college senior, Brenna Spencer. She's graduating from college, and she decided to go pose 
for a picture in the Nashville area recently, and she put a gun in her waistband, a pistol, for her very sexy photo for her senior picture from college. Well, it got a lot of attention. It went viral, the picture did. So she's gone back with another photo with her and a Women for Trump t-shirt right there at the bridge over the Cumberland River in downtown Nashville, and also a gun visible as well, and more criticism, more praise coming her way. It depends on which side of the gun aisle you're on. But this week, she walked around Music City with her Smith & Wesson 380 openly. The television station in Nashville, Fox Nashville, reports Tennessee an open carry state. So you, you can do this. I don't think a lot of people were prepared for a beautiful, young, basically model-type person to have an open carry walking around the streets of Music City, but that's the case from Brenna Spencer. And she is proud of her weapon, and she's got the weapon of the media now making her famous, both the lovers and the haters. Two weeks ago, she posted a picture of herself carrying a gun with the caption saying, Love Nashville, such a beautiful city, which I agree, by the way, such a beautiful city, but love even more that I'm able to protect myself in this city. Very good. I don't know if she learned that in college or not, but Brenda, congratulations on getting out of college and for your graduation photo with your gun, I guess. You become a hero. It appears in Virginia that campaign staffers for U.S. Representative Scott Taylor, they went and collected signatures to help get independent Sean Brown on a ballot ahead of the tight November race. And it looks like some of those signatures, well, they're from four dead people and 59 fake signatures found on this ballot petition. So that's not exactly the uh, kind of news that Scott Taylor wants to hear heading into this tight race in the Norfolk, Virginia area. Out of the 584 people listed, the newspaper there was able to contact 115 listees on their, or their family members. Of those reached, 59 declared the signatures to be fraudulent. So some dirty politics potentially going on between this Republican candidate, Scott Taylor, who's the current congressman, and his close race going on. They're trying to get this other person in the race as an independent to take away votes from the Democrat. And if true, there's some major problems going on in the Tidewater area of Virginia for Scott Taylor's staffers, at least, and potentially for Taylor, as they had the, the old dead people voting, or at least registering to vote in this election coming up. The University of Georgia has unveiled a design for a memorial for slaves and former slaves buried at the site of a campus building. Back in 2015, when workers were working on the 1930s-era Baldwin Hall, they discovered more than 100 unmarked graves, and it appears those are likely of slaves and former slaves. Baldwin Hall is the area that was once Athens' main cemetery before the Civil War. I don't know where that is on the UGA campus, but of course, Georgia was actually called Franklin College before the Civil War, and the vice president of the Confederacy, Alexander Stevens, attended Franklin College in Athens, Georgia. But Baldwin Hall there, as the workers found, 100 unmarked graves. That's hard to believe that, that someone didn't know that when that Baldwin Hall was originally built. But people in the old days, in some cases, white, black, it made no difference. If they had a good property 
and it didn't matter if somebody was better there or not. Somebody had greed on their mind, and they just ignored the fact that there were bodies there. There's lots of Indian burial mounds that have been leveled throughout time, and and we just were we have a bad history of of treating the final resting place of people in a very irreverent way, and that's what looks like happened in Athens, Georgia, a long time ago. Hey, if you're going to be out in the Gulf of Mexico, around Mississippi, and off of Louisiana, watch out for manatees. The state of Louisiana is now warning boaters to watch out for the creatures because they have migrated from Florida across the Gulf Coast. The Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries said West Indian manatees have been seen across coastal Louisiana, and the department has posted caution signs at boat launches throughout the area. I don't think you want to hit a manatee if you're cruising around the coast of the Gulf of Mexico. And if, if they're in Louisiana, naturally, they've gone from Florida across the Alabama coast, across the Mississippi coast, and they are now in Louisiana. I would guess they probably are in the Texas area as well. During the summer, they sometimes swim toward Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas, but it looks like because of their movement, they could be in the, at least the Louisiana area year-round. They require warm water, and those that travel to Louisiana generally begin the journey back to Florida in early fall. But they could be in Louisiana more than just in this time of year. Be on the watch out. They are a massive creature, a beautiful creature. If you see a manatee, you can report it in Louisiana to 1-800-442-2511 and let them know that you see a manatee out there and try to avoid a catastrophe if you're in a boat if if you hit a manatee i'm sure it's not a not a good thing also in louisiana the state has released a new campaign for tourism it's called feed your soul and this is a new package of tv ads hoping to get visitors to come to louisiana and it was done by the lieutenant governor's office billy nungasser the lieutenant governor unveiled the new advertising last week at the state's annual travel summit and Lake Charles. This Feed Your Soul was originally announced back in January, and it dovetails with the reworked marketing effort. The spot highlights Zydeco music, swamp tours, seafood, drinks, and dancing, among other Louisiana experiences. And we must say, in the Pelican State, they are a very, very unique state. From a food, from a music standpoint, from a sights standpoint, from a big city like New Orleans to rural areas as well, one of our true gems, the state of Louisiana. And Feed Your Soul is a great campaign from Nungesser's office. Hey, in Nashville on the over the weekend, Taylor Swift played at Nissan Stadium. That's not the biggest newsworthy thing, although I knew people that went there from all over the South to see Taylor Swift back in Nashville playing at this big venue. Well, before the concert, her merchandise truck caught fire outside of the stadium. And two fire trucks had to come to Nissan Stadium in, in the area of there to hose down the trailer, which was full of merch for her reputation stadium tour going on. Now, the good news for Taylor, I know this would really, really affect her pocketbook. The trailer of merchandise was empty. It had just been emptied out her tour merchandise, and this, when it caught fire, nothing in there. So yeah, the, the trailer was damaged, maybe possibly ruined, 
but all of her beautiful Taylor Swift merchandise that I know everybody wants to have already emptied out. Nothing to see here. Good news for Taylor Swift fans. <laughs> In Alabama, as we wrap up our headlines from across the South, a man is going to prison for shooting a pregnant cow. This happened in Prattville. Byron Jamar Esco received a 57-month prison sentence for illegally possessing a firearm and shooting a cow, according to U.S. Attorney Lewis Franklin. The 30-year-old reportedly massacred the cow back in 2017. He'd already been released from state prison after pleading guilty in 20, 2007 to first-degree robbery in Montgomery County, Alabama. And he was driving in his vehicle along country roads near Hope Hole, Alabama. And as he drove, Esco, unprovoked, pointed his 9mm handgun at a cow grazing in a field. He fired the weapon and killed the cow, which was pregnant with a calf. He drove away, but before he could do so, though, the cow's owner observed Esco's vehicle and reported the shooting and the details of the getaway vehicle to law enforcement authorities. Early the following morning, the sheriff's deputy found Esco driving the car, and inside the vehicle was the handgun used in the cow assassination. But if you shoot a cow in Alabama, you may go to jail for 57 months, which is what's happening to Byron Jamar Esco of Prattville, Alabama. Of course, he's got some other problems illegally possessing a firearm and such, too. But what a low life. What a low life. That's, I think I heard that term over the weekend from someone. Uh, maybe the president's even used low life lately, but uh, I can't imagine why. Maybe, maybe there was something in the system creating such a stupid decision at the time. Well, and that is what's going on across Dixie here on this Monday. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to hashtag hullabaloo. It's our fun look at social media and some of the craziness that people are saying about our region. That's ahead on The Y'all Show. We'll be right back. Whether you brew the craftiest beer or offer the sharpest haircuts in town, we've got the right business cards to promote what makes your business great at Vistaprint. And right now, we're offering 500 custom cards starting at just $9.99. You can choose everything about your card, the shape, the paper, and you can design it yourself or ask for a little help from our support team. So get the most bang for your and head to Vistaprint.com to get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 7373 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 7373. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 has arrived at Sprint. For a limited time, get the super-powerful new Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. It's the fastest Note ever, and you can get it on a network built for unlimited. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 is also perfect for gaming. Take your Fortnite skills to a new level with the largest battery ever seen in a Note. Along with a 6.4-inch edge-to-edge infinity screen and stereo speakers, Galaxy Note 9 also features a smarter camera and a mightier S Pen with remote control. Make the switch to Sprint right now and get the Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. Plus, get annual upgrades with Galaxy Forever. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com slash Samsung, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Note 9, 2083 per month after 2084 per month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires new line and 18-month lease. Early termination results and remaining balance due. Upgrade after 12 lease payments. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes. Requires qualifying plans. Subject to credit. $30 activation fee and restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Jessica Alba, entrepreneur and mom. When it comes to helping students succeed, I'm all in. And so is Staples. That's why I'm teaming up with Staples for Students and DonorsChoose.org, the charity that helps teachers bring learning to life. 
Join us by donating in store or online at staplesforstudents.com. Your donation will help local teachers make a difference for their students because every kid deserves a great start this school year. We're back on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Your host, John Rawl. On Twitter, we're at Y'all Show. Well, on Twitter, we go through and we find our hashtag Hullabaloos for the week. And our first Hullabaloo comes from a celebrity, Ellison Barber. Have you seen Ellison on Fox News? She is a correspondent and she's a Georgia girl and she does a fantastic job. And if you don't mind, I have a confession. I think Ellison's going to be my future ex-wife. I, I really do. She's exactly what I need. She's a Southerner. She's absolutely beautiful. She works at Fox, which is a good thing. But here's, here's what, what makes it a perfect marriage that will end in divorce, I'm sure. She graduated from Wofford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So, Ellison... For all the aspects that I love about you, you may be the only woman that I can have a real meaningful discussion about Southern Conference football. You and I, can we can go to dinner. We can have our good Southern food. We can talk about politics. We can talk about anything you want. But, but we can also mix in who's going to win that UT Chattanooga versus Western Carolina matchup that coming weekend. What about Randy Sanders' ETSU Bucks? Are they going to really pull that upset against Tennessee in week two of college football? And is VMI, are the Kedats going to finally get a Southern Conference win in 2018? You know, Ellison, you and I can have these great discussions. And we also, man, we can really, we can just really heat things up when the Citadel, my alma mater, plays your alma mater of Wofford College, which is happening this weekend. And if the stars align, and I think they are, I'm going to be in Spartanburg Saturday when Wofford, the defending Southern Conference football champs, host the Citadel Bulldogs in the season opener, a conference matchup. And Ellison, we, we could just tailgate, and, and it'll be great. Now, Ellison, I know you probably have a boyfriend. You probably have a husband, but I can dream. I mean, a, a Southern boy can dream, right? But now, you're, you may be the only absolute gem in the South that I can have a, a Southern peach from Georgia with a South Carolina college connection that I could have this kind of discussion. Hey, I, I can only hope. Well, here's why Ellison's on my mind today, besides her great journalism. She put on Twitter over the weekend a really funny picture. It was from the Clayton Tribune, which is in her hometown in Rabin County, Georgia, northeast corner of Georgia. And Ellison has a great picture of the local paper with her cooking on Fox News. And she wrote, Cooks breakfast on TV once, finally makes the local paper. Hashtag Georgia forever. And so I guess Ellison Barber of Fox News had not been shown a lot of love by the local paper in Clayton, Georgia. And finally, she goes on TV and cooks and the Clayton Tribune 
that got her all over Rabin County News with her great cooking skills. And, and Ellison, look, I'll do the cooking. If you give me a chance, let me just do everything. I can, I can make a mean barbecue sandwich, but it's got to come from, from Clayton, Georgia. I've been to that place in downtown Clayton that has like six different sauces available. We've talked about it on the Y'all Show before. Unbelievable. I'll need to dig up the name of that before we get out of here on hashtag hullabaloo. Good stuff, Ellison Barber. Now, in a non-celebrity tweet that we want to bring up, this is from South Carolina. It's from Danny Eberhardt. And Danny, as well as another South Carolinian at Dale Powell Properties, both have pictures of sunsets in South Carolina. And I wanted to share their, their tweet here, but you really need to go to their Twitter accounts to see what I'm talking about. And Danny's tweet says, Southern Sunset on the Marsh. And man, I love a Southern Sunset on the Marsh. It doesn't have to be in South Carolina. It can be any marsh. I love marshlands, no matter what time of day. I don't want to be out there with the snakes and alligators, but it is a beautiful thing that the Lord has given us, marshland. Dale Powell Properties, at CHS underscore properties, sunset over the Wando River. And I know exactly where the Wando. Wando is a tributary of the Cooper River at Charleston Harbor. Wando stretches over to the Mount Pleasant area, and there's a huge bridge over the, over the Wando that on the other side is you'll find the tennis stadium. They have a huge tennis stadium where they have an, a women's tennis tournament every year in the springtime. And that's right there on the banks of the Wando River. And they both have great pictures from South Carolina's low country. Thank you for sharing that on social media. And I agree, beautiful scenery. And across the Southland, don't things just look better at sunset? I mean, that's a great time to go out and snap some pictures. And we appreciate both of these gentlemen for sharing their love of South Carolina sceneries on the Y'all Show. Wednesday SGH, at Wednesday SGH on Twitter, she declares, made for the grim-hearted suicide girls hopeful tattoo model. Here is Wednesday's Twitter declaration. I'm a Southern belle in case anyone was wondering. Hashtag Southern, hashtag Louisiana. Well, that's... That's not that newsworthy to make that declaration. Why Why are we bringing up Wednesday's tweet on the Y'all Show? I'm a Southern Belle in case anyone was wondering. Here's the rub with, Wednesday, with Wednesday's tweet. She misspelled the word Belle. She wrote, I'm a Southern Belle, B-E-L-L. -L. She left off the E. So is she a Southern Belle like the old phone company? Is, is that what she's trying to say, that she's a Southern Belle, Ma Belle? No, I think she just needs to go back and learn how to spell the word bell. If you're a Southern Belle, as in a lady, B-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. But she said she's from Louisiana, so maybe French is her native tongue. I don't know. But Wednesday, thank you for letting us know that you're a Southern Belle, no matter how you spell it. Paul N. is on Twitter, at Paul N. underscore ATL, CFO and MBA in Atlanta. Likes finance, food, fitness, and fun. A couple of F's there that I, I think I agree with all that. Finance, food, fitness, and fun. Lunch today, giant fried clam po'boy sandwich with truffle fries topped with shaved Parmesan cheese. Hashtag po'boy. And he's eating all this at JCT Kitchen and Bar. Well, I had to do some research. JCT Kitchen and Bar, quality food by the tracks, is, 11, is located at 1198 Howell Mill Road Northwest. Now this is in the west side area of downtown Atlanta, just off the northwest corner of Georgia Tech's campus. Uh, 
Now, one of the things that Paul wrote in that tweet, in addition to his po' boy sandwich of a fried clam po' boy sandwich, he was having truffle fries. Now, I've seen that on a few upscale restaurant menus, but I don't know what truffle fries are. I don't think they're very Southern, but I could be wrong. So I did some research. Our crack research team here at the Y'all Show looked up truffle fries. And according to the experts at Wikipedia, which is where you should always go for expert advice, truffle fries are fried potatoes that are fried again, working in batches until golden brown for about five minutes. Transfer the fries to a clean kitchen towel using a slotted spoon. Place fries in a bowl and drizzle truffle oil over warm fries. Season with Parmesan cheese, parsley, and sea salt. Okay, that's a little too much work for me. I think I'll just take my fries from McDonald's instead of the JCT Kitchen and Bar's fancy truffle fries. But that that seems good. I just know if you want to not have diabetes, you're not supposed to eat a lot of potato products. So no matter how you do it, truffle or McDonald's, maybe not the best choice. But we do want to give JCT Kitchen and Bar, Howell Mill Road Northwest in Atlanta, some credit for having a yummy-looking giant fried clam po' boy. When I'm back in the ATL, they're on my list of places to, to go explore. Janice B. is on Twitter at J-A-H-A-B-L-K. At J-A-H-A-B-L-K, Janice B. A wannabe author, and she says on Twitter, does anyone else's significant other request shotgun shells for your anniversary? Question mark. Hashtag Arkansas. Hashtag sixth anniversary. Well, I didn't realize that sixth anniversary equals shotgun shells. But maybe in Arkansas, that is indeed the case. But that's funny, Janice B. I, I never have requested shotgun shells for any anniversary or Christmas or anything. I don't even own a shotgun. Now, does that make me a non-Southerner? Maybe in some of you, your eyes, I, I just lost my Southerness. But no, I, I don't own a shotgun. But uh, I'll take the shotgun shells. I can find some use for them. Finally, on the hashtag color below today, this was a funny thing I found that I wanted to share with you. It is a picture of the moon landing from the 1969 moon landing. And it's a picture of the astronauts out there walking on the, on the moon. But the funny thing here is it's got a Dollar General sign posted on the moon. Coming soon, Dollar General. <laughs> Boy, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Dollar General and the Goodlettsville, Tennessee-based company is indeed looking for an expansion to the outer space because it seems like they're in just about every corner of the southeast, which is a good thing. Man, they can save your butt time. I don't know about money, but the essentials that they offer, where in many cases in the south you had to go a lot further to a grocery store or a Walmart, Dollar General's seems to be on every corner now, and they have really helped a lot of people in our region out. We need to get Dollar General, a representative from that company, on our program very soon and discuss because I like Dollar General. I'm a Dollar General kind of guy. This is the Y'all Show with John Rawl. When we come back, speaking of business, we're going to have our Y'all Street Business Report, and we'll tell you about the impact of hurricanes on our region. Now that we're a year in past Harvey, and Katrina, 13 years now since that awful event. The impact of hurricanes, the economic impact, that's ahead on y'all.
Credit products are issued by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Offer lasts for 90 days from air date. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Gift card offer valid only for new customers applying for a personal loan. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. Medical bills, credit card bills, auto loan bills. Oh, no. Are you stressed trying to get your bills paid each month? Wouldn't it be a huge relief to make just one simple payment? Get that relief today with a debt consolidation loan through Avant. Avant is an online leading platform that has rescued hundreds of thousands of Americans struggling with the stress of high interest debt. That could save you money, simplify your life, and erase all that stress. The application is quick, and you could have the money you need as soon as the next business day if approved by 4.30 Central Time, Monday through Friday. And now, get a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your rates and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 1818 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T dot com, promo code 1818. Hey, Dad, want to shoot some hoops? In a bit, buddy. I promise. Allegra knows that allergy symptoms can get in the way of enjoying the moment. I'll just play by myself. For outdoor and indoor allergies, get Allegra. It's the fastest non-drowsy allergy relief. It starts working in one hour, helping you break through your worst allergy symptoms with continuous 24-hour relief. Yes! Great shot, buddy. Let's play another game. You're on, Dad. Get Allegra and get back to the moment. Among single-ingredient OTC-branded oral antihistamines. Use as directed. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I've never felt more alive. Disclaimer, GEICO cannot guarantee you will feel more alive. You either possess functioning respiratory and circulatory systems, or you do not, or you are a zombie. If you are indeed a brain-starved zombie and you would like to save money on car insurance, the GEICO legal team applauds your excellent life choices, even in your shambling afterlife. But we strongly encourage you to visit GEICO.com or download the GEICO app. Please stay a minimum of 500 feet away from our large and presumably delicious, delicious brains. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Back into y'all, the show all about the South. We talk business. We talk the Y'all Street Business Report on the Monday edition of Y'all. And this is getting ready to be September. I know throughout history, September has been an awful month from a weather standpoint in the South. We have had some terrible storms come through late August, September. This is the epicenter, sadly, of bad hurricanes right now. Now through, let's say, October as a result of that, we wanted to talk about the impact, the financial impact of hurricanes in the South on the economy, what that means, especially looking back at the 13th anniversary of Katrina and now the one-year anniversary of Hurricane Harvey in Texas. CNBC International's Elizabeth Schultz filed a report, and I got this off of social media, of that impact. How do hurricanes affect the economy? And I thought this was very informational that this international network, what they did, especially with some of the places in the South featured here, it would be worth sharing what Elizabeth Schultz has to say about hurricanes and their economic impact. Let's listen. Between 1950 and 2016, 4,597 tropical cyclones around the world passed within 100 miles of a city, affecting 3,113 cities and 132 countries or territories. New research from the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, uses a complex formula to measure the economic impact of tropical cyclones. 
Depending on where you live, you might call a tropical cyclone a hurricane or a typhoon, but they're all the same thing. The report looks at how tropical cyclones affect something called GDP per capita, which is basically the amount of goods produced and services provided in a country divided by its population. The IMF measured the longer-term effects of tropical cyclones on GDP per capita for a period of seven years after the storm struck. It found output was almost 1% lower than if the storm hadn't happened. Small states and islands, which are generally more exposed to tropical cyclones, had a bigger negative impact, losing 2% or more of GDP per capita. One or 2% may not seem like a lot, but depending on the economy, we could be talking about millions or even billions of dollars. Calculating the economic impact of these storms can be tough. There are a lot of variables to consider, like wind, precipitation patterns, and population. That's why estimates vary on how much storms affect economic growth. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration estimates that since 1980, the United States has sustained 212 weather disasters, where the overall cost reached or exceeded a billion dollars. The total tab of these events combined was a whopping $1.2 trillion. And that number is sure to escalate from Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria. Initial cost estimates for Harvey in Texas are between $70 and $108 billion. Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans in 2005 had the most significant economic impact, with an estimated price tag of roughly $160 billion. Here's a chart of jobs in New Orleans in the wake of Katrina. Employment plunged right after the hurricane in September 2005. But even 10 months after the storm, the economy averaged 95,000 fewer jobs than the year before. Some of the biggest losses came from the tourism and shipping sectors. Besides job losses, a storm's impact can be measured in a range of other economic indicators. After Hurricanes Harvey and Irma, consumer confidence dipped in Texas and Florida as Americans felt less optimistic about their outlook for the economy. Storms can cause huge losses in the farming industry when crops are destroyed. And of course, property damages, transportation disruptions, and business closures all bring major economic costs. These are all reasons why economists predict GDP will drop in the aftermath of a storm. Growth often rebounds in the following quarters when reconstruction efforts get underway and states or countries receive federal aid and insurance payouts. But it still takes a long time to clean up the economic damage from a storm. Research shows that even after 20 years, a country's economy has not fully recovered from the shock. From CNBC International, that is reporter Elizabeth Schultz, and her report, How Do Hurricanes Affect the Economy? And we know all too well in the South, hurricanes throughout the last 20, 30 years, from Hugo to Andrew to, of course, Katrina and more. We hope we don't see one this year. We had Rita last year that was horrible. We don't like hurricanes, but unfortunately, they are a necessary evil if you live in the South. It's just part of it. We just don't want them to be any worse than they have to be and that was a great informational report from Elizabeth Schultz of CNBC International on the effect that hurricanes have on the economy. Well, when we come back in hour two, hang on. We're going to talk some sports. We've got a review of some of the college football action that happened on Saturday. Yes, college football is officially underway. We had a very select number of games Saturday. All of just about everybody's playing this Saturday or over the weekend. And we'll tell you about what happened, what's coming up. We'll tell you about the NFL. We'll tell you about Bryson DeChambeau winning 
in New Jersey over the weekend in the first playoff leg of the PGA Tour. Also, we've got some tennis to tell you about, much, much more, and the N-Word and NASCAR. That is ahead in hour two. You don't want to miss it. Plus, we've got Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Takapola. His short stories report is coming up in hour two. Hang on. We got it all, y'all. This is the Y'all Show with John Ross. Whether you brew the craftiest beer or offer the sharpest haircuts in town, we've got the right business cards to promote what makes your business great at Vistaprint. And right now, we're offering 500 custom cards starting at just $9.99. You can choose everything about your card, the shape, the paper, and you can design it yourself or ask for a little help from our support team. So get the most bang for your and head to vistaprint.com to get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 7373 at checkout. That's vistaprint.com, promo code 7373. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 has arrived at Sprint. For a limited time, get the super-powerful new Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. It's the fastest Note ever, and you can get it on a network built for unlimited. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 is also perfect for gaming. Take your Fortnite skills to a new level with the largest battery ever seen in a Note. Along with a 6.4-inch edge-to-edge infinity screen and stereo speakers, Galaxy Note 9 also features a smarter camera and a mightier S Pen with remote control. Make the switch to Sprint right now and get the Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. Plus, get annual upgrades with Galaxy Forever. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com slash Samsung, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Note 9, 2083 per month after 2084 per month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires new line and 18-month lease. Early termination results and remaining balance due. Upgrade after 12 lease payments. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes. Requires qualifying plans. Subject to credit. $30 activation fee and restrictions apply. It's the show all about Dixie. Welcome back to Hour 2 on a Monday. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. I'm your host, John Rawl. Thank you for being a part of this All Southern Show. On Twitter, you can find us at Y'all Show, Instagram, Y'all Show, and our number, 803-816-1170. Still to come, before we get out of here on this Monday edition, we've got the teller of tales from Takapola Way, Jerry Short. And Jerry hints that he's going to be talking about work, or the lack thereof. Actually, he's going to be talking about hard work. We're getting ready for Labor Day and more. And Jerry has a work field report for us on his short stories just ahead on the Y'all Show. Hang on for that. Also, I want to remind you, on Tuesdays, y'all, we're going to be looking at the election in Florida for primaries, as that is a major event going on. And we'll have a report on that, so you don't want to miss that. Plus, we'll have the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue back with a great report. Now that football season is here, we'll try to mix in more offerings for you when you get together with friends and you have that grill fired up and ready for kickoff. We'll have that on the Tuesday, y'all. Right now, though, we're going to dig into our college and pro sports and other sports recap. And wasn't an exciting college football returned on Saturday. And I know you couldn't wait for UMass and the Dukes of Duquesne to kick off. And that's exactly what happened. That was the first college football game of 2018. 
and the Minutemen of UMass won in convincing form 63-15. to No surprise as they defeated the school from Pittsburgh. UMass gets a win. Now to some more excitement on the college football scene. If you were watching, I didn't see the game because I didn't have, I think it was on ESPN Plus, I believe. But the Rice Owls had a home game Saturday night in Houston against Prairie View. They're friends from right up the road in the Houston area. Historically black college coming to play, FCS school. Shouldn't have been a contest, right? Prairie View gave Rice all they could handle. And honestly, Rice escaped with a win. Rice ended up winning on a last-second field goal. 31-28. But at one point in the game, Prairie View led 28-19 in the fourth quarter. Rice scored 12 unanswered in the fourth quarter to come back and surge ahead and beat the Panthers in Houston. 31-28. 31-28. It could have been the first FCS shocker of 2018 this past weekend, but it wasn't. Rice moves to 1-0. Their next game is going to be against their in-town rival, the Houston Cougars. So that ought to be a fun game between Rice and Houston this coming weekend when most college teams get up and going. Two other games from out west that happened over the weekend that I want to tell you about before we get to our FCS kickoff game in Montgomery. Hawaii really surprised me. The Rainbow Warriors went into Fort Collins and knocked off Colorado State 43-34. We told you all last week about the goings-on of Rams coach Mike Bobo. He's had so many health issues. Well, his Rams ended up losing the challenge at home to Hawaii. And Hawaii, which literally the state of Hawaii was in during a hurricane and tropical storm at the time of the game. But their college football team goes all the way to Colorado and comes back with a win against the Colorado State Rams, 43-34. And then finally, in the land of enchantment, I think that is New Mexico's theme. I should know. I apologize. But New Mexico State hosted Wyoming, the Cowboys went to NMSU and defeated the Aggies 29-7. The Aggies didn't even get on the board till the end of the game. It was a shutout for most of the game. But New Wyoming looked very convincing in their win over New Mexico State Saturday night. And then the final game that I want to talk about actually happened in Dixie. And we saw Jacksonville State of the OVC lose to the MEAC's North Carolina A&T Aggies. And this was a great game. Frankly, it was a shocking game because Jacksonville State was the favorite. Jacksonville State has been a very good team in FCS football. But at the FCS kickoff at the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, they were self-destructing all night long. They missed field goals. They just looked sloppy. They fumbled. That's how they lost the game at the end. They, their fumble, I think the quarterback fumbled there with like a minute left. And North Carolina A&T goes all the way to Montgomery with very few fans. I will give credit. It was a pretty good attended game, well-attended game in Montgomery between these small schools. But in the end, the visitors from North Carolina, even though this was a game in Alabama, not at Jacksonville State. It was in Montgomery, the state capital. But the Aggies pulled the shocker over Jacksonville State in the FCS kickoff, 20-17. A&T wins. So congratulations. To them. And that was a look at the games that happened this past weekend. Now we're all focused on the real start of college football, which Thursday's got a lot of games. Most teams get going on Saturday 
and we'll get you through the week here on the Y'all Show, getting you prepared for that. We'll have our Sports Land Yap on Tuesdays, y'all, looking at some of the smaller conferences. Wednesday, we'll have an ACC report preparing you for the ACC opener for teams this week. On Thursday, we'll have the SEC report, getting you ready for all the big SEC contests going on this weekend. And then Friday, we're going to have a really fun thing to offer you. We are going to introduce on the Y'all Show General Gridiron. <laughs> General Gridiron has been a syndicated show that yours truly, John Rawl, has written, produced, and voiced for about five years now. And we've got about 55 affiliates across the South. Well, now that we're doing Y'all, I'm going to take the General Gridiron Show and incorporate it into the Y'all Show. So there'll be a section of the Friday Y'all that will be General Gridiron. And what is General Gridiron, you ask? General Gridiron is a fun preview of the weekend's big games. We will have a colorful description of the rivalries, the games, the mascots, and such. You'll just need to tune in on Fridays, and you'll get General Gridiron right here on the Y'all Show, and it'll be a portion of our preview of Saturday's college football games. And that'll be the first episode of that will be on the Friday Y'all. So we'll have that to get you ready for Saturday on Fridays on the Y'all Show. So excited about that. Speaking of SEC football, the South Carolina Gamecocks, we, we mentioned this on Thursday last week when we had Tyler Garrett on from the Carolina Carolina. We said that the, there's a chance that the field at Williams-Brice Stadium was going to have to be replaced, and indeed that is the case. Following a Jay-Z and Beyonce concert last week, the field at Williams-Brice Stadium is ruined, and athletics officials there have had to truck in sod from Sugar Hill, Georgia. I guess they don't have any good sod in the state of South Carolina. They had to go to Georgia to get this Bermuda grass. But they are installing more than 90,000 square feet of Bermuda grass at Williams-Brice Stadium in Columbia, and it should be all good and good to play on come Saturday when the Gamecocks and Coastal Carolina get going. I think that's a high noon kickoff in Columbia, so they don't have a whole lot of time to get this field in place. But they must have been paid a lot of money by Jay-Z and Beyonce to even have this concert less than two weeks before the start of college football. But that's what's happened for the Gamecocks of South Carolina, and we hope the field is Good to go because they got a game against Coastal Carolina this weekend and then that big game against Georgia coming up the weekend after that. Now, NFL news, the preseason ends Thursday. Every single NFL team will have its final preseason game Thursday of this week. And I'm going to rattle through all the matchups here real quickly, so pay attention. Miami's at Atlanta. Indianapolis is at Cincinnati. The Cleveland Browns play at Detroit. New England plays at the New York Giants. The New York Jets play at Philadelphia. The Carolina Panthers at Pittsburgh. Jacksonville's at Tampa Bay and a good Florida rivalry there. The Washington Redskins play at Baltimore. Buffalo's at Chicago. Minnesota's at the Tennessee Titans. The Los Angeles Rams play at New Orleans. The Dallas Cowboys are at Houston and a good Texas rivalry there. The Green Bay Packers at Kansas City. The Denver Broncos at the Arizona Cardinals. Los Angeles Chargers play at San Fran, and the Oakland Raiders are at Seattle. That is the final preseason tune-up for all these teams Thursday of this week, and then the preseason begins that Saturday, or that's Thursday after Labor Day, and then most teams, of course, play the Sunday following Labor Day. NFL season is fast approaching. Congratulations to Detroit Pistons star Blake Griffin. He was back in Norman, Oklahoma over the weekend where the University of Oklahoma has dedicated the Griffin Family Performance Center on campus in his honor. Griffin was the 2009 AP Player of the Year. 
and he made a significant donation that was the largest ever from a former Sooners basketball player to help pay for the $7 million center now known as the Griffin Family Performance Center at the University of Oklahoma. So congrats to Blake. And remember where he played back for OU with his twin brother? I don't know what happened to him. I, for, I forgot his name. But Blake Griffin was a, a, a force in his college days and now roughly 10 years into an NBA career, too. Congratulations to former SMU golfer Bryson DeChambeau. He won the first round of the PGA playoffs, winning the Northern Trust at Paramus, New Jersey's Ridgewood Country Club Sunday. He shot a 18-under for a four-stroke win over Tony Finau, and as a result, he won $1.6 million. I think, if my math is correct, that was the second PGA win for Bryson, who, of course, you may know wears a kind of goofy little derby hat on the course. I think it's what it's called. I should know. I don't have all my hat terminology down. But Bryson DeChambeau, a Californian that went on to play college golf for the Mustangs at SMU and is a fantastic golfer. He wins the first round of the in, of the PGA tournament there in New Jersey, and that will go a long way to him trying to capture the PGA championship, which, again, the actual last tournament is coming up in about three weeks in Atlanta at the East Lake Country Club, I think it's what it's called. Bobby Jones's old country club just a couple miles east of downtown Atlanta, Georgia. Now to tennis. Tennis takes center court for about two weeks as the U.S. Open is going on. And we want to tell you that the, the fun begins today, Monday, the 27th. And Rafael Nadal, the number one tennis player in the world, gets going tonight at 9 o'clock. Well, he has a, a challenge in his for, fellow Spaniard, Ferrer, going on in the outskirts of, I think it's in Queens is where the court is, right by the New York Mets baseball stadium. So that is this, this today we've got some tennis. You've got a couple of Southerners. Harrison from Shreveport, Louisiana. He's got a match going on at 6 Eastern tonight. He plays South African Anderson. And then and an Atlanta tennis player, Donald Young, who's a rising star in tennis. He has a match tonight also against Argentine Del Poltro. That's a 9 o'clock match there in New York. You can watch all this, I think, on ESPN. they got various streaming channels of all the tennis matches for the 2018 U.S. Open. That's going on right now for like two weeks. And finally, here on the Y'all Show, this was a story that came out over the weekend that is hard to believe that is actually true. Connor Daly is a race car driver, and his sponsorship from the Lilly Corporation was removed because of his father's use of a racial slur. Not now, but back in the 1980s. And this driver sponsorship from Lilly Diabetes, it, it was pulled from his number six NASCAR car because of what his father did, allegedly, and I think his father may have admitted to it. But it happened before he was even born, before Connor Daly was even born, this racial slur happened. People have lost their mind. I can't believe this would happen to this guy. And again, Lily, I think people should be inundating them with all kinds of expressions of their dissatisfaction of their pulling this guy who he's not responsible for what his father said or did nearly 40 years ago. This guy was born in 1991, Connor Daly. And this Lilly Corporation with their diabetes sponsorship pulling this after a tape was leaked where his dad 
supposedly used the word that starts with an N back in the 1980s, and now his son is being penalized for it. I think it is absolutely insane, and people have lost their mind over that word. And it's it's a bad word. You shouldn't use it. But if you do, it shouldn't mark. I mean, you shouldn't ever hurt somebody's child who didn't even say it, wasn't even born. And again, I I, I just have to wonder where these what the what these people are thinking when they go this overboard. I mean, this I know it's not a nice thing, but come on, there's there's worse things in life than any word that's used. And I'm guilty of saying a lot of things in my life. But the word that I'm most guilty and, and feel the worst about, it's not the N word. It's when I've said the Lord's name in vain. And that's in the Bible. You shouldn't. That's a commandment from God that you shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. And I'm, I'm guilty. I'm, I'll admit it. I've said it. And as a human being, I'm likely to say it again. But you can hear those words, the Lord's name in vain, in almost every TV show at some point now on every network, on in, in movies, it's like an afterthought. But if you say that N-word, oh my God, it is the end of the world for you, buddy. We've we've lost our minds as a country, I think. Well, we really haven't. There's only a handful of people that are acting this way, but it really does affect everybody. And, and I can't imagine why a kid is being penalized for what his dad said. That just doesn't make any sense. And I've asked forgiveness for my sins. And hopefully you will too for whatever you've said or done and actions you may have made in your life. We all need forgiveness, but we shouldn't say the Lord's name in vain ever if we can help it. And if we do, we ask for forgiveness. That's what it's about. Well, we're asking for you to hang on to the Y'all Show. When we come back, we're going to have the teller of tales from Takapola Way, Jerry Short, stop by. And he is going to tell us about work. We got working on our mind. And we'll have that report up next on The Y'all Show. Whether you brew the craftiest beer or offer the sharpest haircuts in town, we've got the right business cards to promote what makes your business great at Vistaprint. And right now, we're offering 500 custom cards starting at just $9.99. You can choose everything about your card, the shape, the paper, and you can design it yourself or ask for a little help from our support team. So get the most bang for your... And head to Vistaprint.com to get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 7373 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 7373. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 has arrived at Sprint. For a limited time, get the super-powerful new Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. It's the fastest Note ever, and you can get it on a network built for unlimited. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 is also perfect for gaming. Take your Fortnite skills to a new level with the largest battery ever seen in a Note. Along with a 6.4-inch edge-to-edge Infinity screen and stereo speakers, Galaxy Note 9 also features a smarter camera and a mightier S Pen with remote control. Make the switch to Sprint right now and get the Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. Plus, get annual upgrades with Galaxy Forever. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com slash Samsung, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Note 9, 2083 per month after 2084 per month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires new line and 18-month lease. Early termination results and remaining balance due. Upgrade after 12 lease payments. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes. Requires qualifying plans. Subject to credit. $30 activation fee and restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Jessica Alba, entrepreneur and mom. When it comes to helping students succeed, I'm all in. And so is Staples. 
That's why I'm teaming up with Staples for Students and DonorsChoose.org, the charity that helps teachers bring learning to life. Join us by donating in store or online at staplesforstudents.com. Your donation will help local teachers make a difference for their students because every kid deserves a great start this school year. on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. I'm your host, John Rawl, and on the Y'all Show, we salute all of our working people here on this Labor Day week and Labor Day festivities and such going on as our country takes the national holiday and on Labor Day Monday. And we've got a guy who I don't think is going to be taking the day off. We've got Jerry Short, the tailor of tales from Takapola Way, and it's time once again for Jerry Short to come on and give us his short stories. Jerry, are you going to be working? Well, if uh, yeah, I'll be working, but if if I'm not working, it might be one of thirty percent of the times in these seventy-two years that I, I've been off. And if I was off, it's called my being able to chance for my wife to take her home to Louisiana for a three-day weekend or something. If something didn't come up, that, that'd that be the only time. Usually I work because I live brought up to work. You know, when you uh, when you grow up in the poorest state in the Union. I thought you were going to say uh, the, the Depression. I was like, golly, Jerry, well, you're not, you're not a, that old. Was, well, a Depression is, uh, you know, it could be, I could be having a Depression while you're wealthy. <laughs> so I probably was, but uh, my daddy didn't, he didn't, but maybe we did, but Anyway, you know, when you grow up in a state like that, you have to almost work to survive. And, you know, you didn't think about Labor Day. I didn't think about Labor Day as a holiday. I about it more of a government-type day. And, you know, and if you do the research on it, John, you know, it. Um, I think it started back in the late 1800s. Maybe the U.S. started accepting it as a, as a federal holiday in the 1890s. But anyway... You know, it was started by uh, different branches of unions. Really? I never have been a big union fan. And and unions, uh, they were trying to pull all and unite all the unions together and implement the eight-hour workday. Mm-hmm. Because I, at times, you know, and I've heard it all my life, at times there was a place for the union. That uh, they, they you know, had worked their workers way too many hours and way too hard. And as... I do the looking back at that kind of stuff. You know, they were talking 70, 80 hours, and I've worked 120 some hours before. I don't believe that. Ago. Oh, I, I got it backed up and improved it by it was on a BP oil spill. Really? Over to 122 hours in one week. And I was staggering when I was walking. You know, I was, were you getting overtime? I, yeah, and no, I was making a good money. I was working for a company that was auditing for BP. And uh, I was, I think they had made a big mistake. They had me as uh, as one of the chief auditors on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. 
like I had three degrees in accounting or something, and, and I, I didn't. But uh, I uh, I was up in the mornings at uh, four o'clock checking uh, checking the roster and who we were paying, who BP was paying. It was going to work at that time of day and checking their VIN numbers on their vehicles against them and and doing that. And then at night, I had to compile all that stuff and then I had to send in all the paperwork to our uh, corporate office in uh, Spring, Texas, and uh, had to send about five million dollar worth of doggone invoices really? from the two companies. Yeah, we had two companies that I had from Ocean Springs to the Louisiana state line. And, uh, I had three other people helping me when I started, but I was, I, I had a guy and he, uh, kind of went shell shocked or something. He went off and then I had to start dropping all that in the at FedEx every afternoon at six o'clock. So it didn't give you a lot of time to audit 7,000 workers that those two contractors had. One was, uh, us, uh, uh, us ES. And one was, uh, Epico off of the north out of North Carolina, but uh, they had all kind of stuff that they were building BP for. So it was a lot of hours were required. No more people than we had controlling what they were doing. But anyway, that uh, kind of getting a, kind of getting the cart ahead of the horse. Yeah, I was going to talk about Labor Day and um, how I got started and all that kind of stuff. And you know, it it was the unions that pushed for it, and they wanted it. They they sold it on, let's work eight hours, let's have eight hours of recreation, and then eight hours of sleep. Well, that didn't work then, and that don't work now. But uh, Uh-oh, not, well, we got people ready to write you angry letters. Oh, I know, I know there's union people, and, and there's a lot of them, and, you know, once upon a time, there was a place for them, and, and I can't say that there's not a place maybe now for some, but take a look at Detroit. You know, what did automotive industry unions do? You know, it shut Detroit down when we started getting vehicles in from other countries. And, uh, and you know, that union wage, and uh, it was, it's, you know, it's no doubt they were overpaid in places like that compared to where we live in the South. Yeah, you tell, know, don't you know kind of a rough guess of what people made in the heyday of Detroit? Like, Yeah, I do. I, well, I, I know pretty much pretty because. I've, I've purchased uh, absentee landowner timber from some of them, and they live doggone good. You know, the ones that went up there in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And I've been up there, and, and I saw what they retired at and what their retirement money was and, and what they did. And I, I remember them coming home, and they'd be driving big new cars. And my daddy always said, look at this son of guns. They're renting cars to come down here and show off. Well, you know, you're like, you get up there, they weren't renting cars. <clears throat> they were making money to buy cars. And so, you know, that, you know, I guess the union was really helping them. But, you know, we were a right-to-work state. And a right-to-work state kind of keeps unions from organizing. I think they just, I'm out in Missouri right now, and they just had a vote on that. And it went big time pro-union, uh, the vote did. I mean, they was trying to go right to work in Missouri, and uh, it failed. It failed thirty seventy percent. And uh, so, any, anyway, back to you know what they had kind of envisioned is kind of started having parades and having all that kind of stuff. And you know, then it, it then it evolves into the AFL-CIO. You know, and then 
and then the you know truck unions and you know they become corrupt and you've had corruption in that yeah i'm not picking on unions i'm gonna get completely off that i i wanted to uh the only union that touched and came home to me conflict was in 1951 and two things were really heating up in water valley mississippi and they had a, a textile plant there uh, a clothing textile and it was rice sticks based out of um St. Louis, Missouri, was the name then. And then it became Reliance and changed on to others. But, but they went on it. They, I think they put. Well, the reason I know they put the thing in. My grandmother worked there, and my mother was the uh, superintendent's uh, secretary, main secretary. But uh, not when this happened. My grandmother was there when this happened. This happened in '52. But anyway, they was putting the union in, and and they went on strike. It was. 650 of the workers walked out and they picketed, uh, they put a picket lines around the facility. It's a huge facility still there in Waterbath. And they had no backing. Nobody thought they had a chance in the world of getting a union in the, in the textile union in there. However, like I said, my grandmother worked there then, but she was an instructor. And as an instructor, she continued to work. You know, they try to keep the plant open with instructors and people like that mm-hmm. um they lived out in the country then they didn't live in town and uh when they'd get there she couldn't get through the picket line they'd push her back and push her back and push her back and my granddaddy he fell in the picket line like he was a picketer because they had some outsiders that he came in and i mean they told me this story and i've read about it too not this part but he stepped aside when she come up to him and let her let her go in and so she got in the she got in the facility, and was able to work. But they lived on a farm in Panola County, which is Baseball, which is west of there. And going home at night, they were followed. She said, "My grandmother told me by some real thuggish-looking people with guns. They even shot in the air." Really? So my, yeah, my grandparents. They moved, and I know as one woman I've heard the story where they ripped all her clothes off on the street. Well. Nobody backed them, but one, I think it was one store that would even let strikers trade with them. Nobody backed them in Water Valley. What year are we talking about, roughly, Jerry? 19, February, it ended in February of 52. Really? Okay. Early And it went on, it went on about six weeks. And, uh, the, uh, picketing and all the, the blood, bloodletting stuff that was going on. So the, uh, National Guard was called out. And, uh, they, they even unsheathed their dang bayonets and showed their bayonets and waved them. And they started arresting people. Well, the sheriff in Yellowbushy County then was a guy named Lloyd Farmer. And he, uh, he was, he become their ally and he would release them. And I'm sure he would want votes or getting votes. He would say, you know, these are our fellow hardworking citizens. They're not criminals. So when you, when the deputies would pick them up, Instead of taking them to jail, they'd release them. And the guard that had been in, it been uh, federalized, well, more uh, statelized, not federalized, just the state had called them out um, by, um, I don't remember who the, uh, Hugh White, I think Hugh White may have been the governor then, but anyway, it don't matter. But anyway, they, they just went against the, uh, went against the guard, and uh, the guard did what they could do, and it was pretty rough and all, and they ended up, 
winning. So they got union. You know, my grandmother never was in the union because she was a inspector. But um, but uh, the rest of the workers, the sewers. So I've I've been in there as a kid, and it'd be five hundred sewing machines just going to town at one, you know. <laughs> and they got they really didn't get anything out of it. I read somewhere years ago that one of the ladies that was treated rough and thrown down and all that and worked there, she was in the picking line. But she said that, uh, you know, you really, we didn't get a lot. We just uh, got a little bit. And so, you know, I, I guess they got shorter hours maybe. You know, they didn't have to work a lot of hours. Back then, people did have farms that they probably needed to do things on. And then up north, you know, they called them sweat boxes and things like that. So, you know, I guess they had their place. But, uh, um, you know, I'd say, you know, with that going on there, and that one Water Valley's first encounter is kind of ironic. Uh, Casey Jones lived, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Casey Jones. Yeah, the, the man of the he, railroad he, fame. Yeah, railroad fame. He lived uh, two doors from my grandmother's house that she bought during that period, but he had already lived there in the 1890s, you know. But he was a he was he was a big union man. But I mean, he was a railroad union man, and I think they needed a lot of help because, from what I understand, the railroad would terminate you if you made one mistake back then and all. But Casey Jones was. Um, um, he, well, I forget what kind of union the railroad had there, but uh, oh well, one thing I forgot to tell you, and I, I didn't realize this, and um, I had asked somebody about about this uh, about a couple months ago, because you know, we were talking about the thing that happened at Water Valley way back then, and they said that their mother said that the people in the picket line were singing a song called "We Shall Overcome." Really which they say that is an old union song that was later taken up by the civil rights leaders uh, to say we shall overcome. So I guess that's a little plagiarizing there. But uh, anyway, uh, this group at Water Valley was singing we shall overcome, the ones that were trying to get a contract for the union. So, But the Casey Jones thing, you know, like I said, he was master of a local railroad brotherhood, and he was uh, the main man at that uh, – at that temple they had there for that, or the Union Hall, or whatever it was called. But you know, my my deal with uh, when I graduated, when, I, when they when they let me out of high school in 1964, there was a pipeline in, around town, and I got on it, and I worked in the same work I did in Mississippi. When we got to Louisiana, they would fire you if you weren't in the union. So this union steward, he walks up to me out on the pipeline working. I'm just a common laborer, 18 years old, and he says, you got to join uh, operating engineers because I was running a little old tow tractor, he said, out of uh, out of Baton Rouge. So I had to pay their union uh, fee, and then I had to pay the union dues, and my job description and what I did and hours worked. We were working 77 hours a week, and probably, uh, I think, 11 hours a day, seven days a week. And he and that did not change one iota, and that was my first experience, you know, with that kind of thing. And then my second one, I ran a crane in a shipyard in Morgan City, Louisiana, for J. Ray McDermott, and we we worked at least sixty hours a week. 
same thing there. I had to join the union, but it didn't change from when I first got there until they had me join the union. And uh, let me see what another one. Oh, yeah, I did uh, I did Colonial Bread. Ah, bread man. I, yeah, I was a bread man. And I did that for about nine or ten months. But anyway, I, I put in 14 hours a day, six days a week. And I think bread men work five days a week now. It's a lot better. But uh, we, we needed a union to get five days in. I could have used five days because I went from Grenada to Greenwood, and I never saw Grenada in the daylight for those nine months. Really? Except on Sunday. I didn't know what Grenada looked like in the daylight. But I'd leave before dark and before daylight, and I'd get home after dark. But uh, And then when I went to work for International Paper, um, you know, I did all kind of different jobs starting out. And I, I was given a, a company wood yard where we bought pupwood. And I probably put in 12 hours a day, six days a week there. And uh, same results. But we had a union at our paper mills. And in the field, we didn't have to join the union, but we got union benefits, which lasted a few years. And uh, we, you know, yeah. we got a ten percent increase in salary. And then I had another job with International Paper for two years. It was as a log foreman, and I promise I worked 110 hours most weeks because they were doing a uh, a cost analysis survey on my logging job number 13, unlucky number 13. And uh, I had about 40 hours of book work a week plus being in the field with the hands that were getting the fiber in. So yeah. um, that one, it was the same results. Yeah. And, uh, Jerry, it sounds story. like you have had your share of work during your time. And I will tell you that here on the Y'all Show, we're not going to unionize anytime soon. So don't <laughs> don't be coming to me for benefits here at the Y'all Show. Also, as you've proven here through your dialogue here on the Y'all Show today, Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Takapola, you must be a terrible employee because I've counted up about 50 different jobs you've had. So, <laughs> Well, you know, I, you get drafted in the Army, you go there, and I think, I don't believe they're unionized. <laughs> now, in fact, I, I want to talk about that. Let, let, let me put you on pause right there, Jerry. When uh, we come back with Jerry, we're going to continue talking about work as it is Labor Day time, and we'll find out more about how in the world Jerry works that much. How do you, how does he get through a day when you work at a 19-20 hour day? I'm sure many of you listening may work similar days and similar hours. We want to salute you here on the Y'all Show. And when we come back, we're going to play a little Casey Jones music for everybody in honor of the, the man who made railroads famous in the late 19th century. We'll be right back with more of the Y'all Show. Credit products are issued by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Offer lasts for 90 days from air date. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Gift card offer valid only for new customers applying for a personal loan. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. Medical bills, credit card bills, auto loan bills. Oh, no. Are you stressed trying to get your bills paid each month? Wouldn't it be a huge relief to make just one simple payment? 
Get that relief today with a debt consolidation loan through Avant. Avant is an online leading platform that has rescued hundreds of thousands of Americans struggling with the stress of high interest debt. That could save you money, simplify your life, and erase all that stress. The application is quick, and you could have the money you need as soon as the next business day if approved by 4.30 Central Time, Monday through Friday. And now, get a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your rates and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 1818 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 1818. Hey, Dad, want to shoot some hoops? In a bit, buddy. I promise. Allegra knows that allergy symptoms can get in the way of enjoying the moment. I'll just play by myself. For outdoor and indoor allergies, get Allegra. It's the fastest non-drowsy allergy relief. It starts working in one hour, helping you break through your worst allergy symptoms with continuous 24-hour relief. Yes! Great shot, buddy. Let's play another game. You're on, Dad. Get Allegra and get back to the moment. Among single-ingredient OTC-branded oral antihistamines. Use as directed. Watch your speed Trouble ahead Trouble behind And know that notion Just crossed my mind Trouble ahead A lady in red Take my advice You'd be better off dead And that the song Casey Jones from the Grateful Dead. Not often do we play Grateful Dead here on the Y'all Show, but we were talking earlier about Casey Jones, the engineer who died in 1900 when his heroic effort helped save the rail cars and the train that was, I guess, it was out of control, right, Jerry? Oh, no, what really happened, it was down in Vaughan, Mississippi, and they had a... a another train waiting on a northbound train mm-hmm. and casey had uh they the, the mail cart was late he grabbed the mail in memphis and he hauled rear end uh to get to jackson mississippi with the mail mm-hmm. he was making up time really fast but there was a sidetrack uh train that the caboose was still sticking out on the edge of the track and he was southbound and when he saw the caboose when he come around the corner coming into vaughn mississippi he had got that thing wide open in 70 plus miles an hour at that time. You know, that's moving. And he told, uh, he told his fireman to jump and the fireman did jump and it saved his life in case he rode that thing into that other, uh, into the car that was sticking back out on the track and they were able to get the uh, on bound to keep the head on collision from that. And that happened. And- April 30th in the year 1900 on the Illinois Central Railroad in Vaughn, Mississippi. They brought that car back to Water Valley to the railroad shops to fix it. Really? That's where Illinois Central had their railroad shops then. Wow. So we talk about Water Valley all the time here on the show, Jerry. Well, they moved it to Paducah because Water Valley tried to overtax them. Ah, okay. (laughs) And Casey Jones was from Jackson, Tennessee. You want to say hello to everybody in Jackson listening to our affiliate there. WTJS FM 93.1, the talk of Jackson. We I've got a Casey Jones French door, by the way. Oh, do you? The tornado blew his house down. It was two doors down from my grandmother in 84 that hit Water Valley. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, while I was tearing the house down, I went over and uh, I swear y'all gonna do with this. And that little boy, a friend of mine, had already bought all the, all the leftover stuff. So I pulled down a wood uh, French door and I said, "Can I have this?" And he said, "Yeah." So I've got a case of Jones door. How about that? <laughs> in my house, Jerry. You might have been teasing before we went to break about the military being unionized. You have served our nation in the reserves and guards through the decades and retired honorably, by the way, in case you're wondering. And I, I also got a uh, top security clearance. Do I you really? Oh, I sure did. Don't tell the president. Had to have one, had to have one of special forces. <laughs> okay. Well, but they wanna, checked them every five years. You so know, I'm out. we've been talking about unions since it is Labor Day time of year. And I, I was thinking about this before you even brought it up. Is Has there ever been an effort to unionize in the military? I think there's been an effort. You know, some government agencies are unionized. But what they've done, Congress, they implemented a lot of union rules and regulations that just about take care of that. Okay. So let's just say that they're government unions uh, in a way. Okay. Uh, you know, I'd have to go back and do research, obviously, on that to find out. But I, I have looked at union stuff where the the the, the uh, they have regulations that Congress had put in place, and uh, they apply. And that's one reason you'll see the military gets a lot of time off sometimes, and it's because of those things. Because once upon a time, they wouldn't have recognized any day. You know, mm-hmm. there was a holiday just because it's a holiday. Training didn't stop. Right. You know, I've been at Paris Island on Thanksgiving Day, and they're still training recruits. Marines are. Yeah. And that ended about three or four years ago. Well, I mean, we wouldn't even have a country if George Washington hadn't crossed the Delaware and attacked the Germans on Christmas morning at the Battle of Trenton, New Jersey. The first victory he had in the American Revolution happened on Christmas morning. That's pretty low down. Well, you know your history so good. I. <laughs> I, 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 I <laughs> I hate to get in a, I hate to get in a history, yeah. history pie fight with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, that's how our country started. We fought on Christmas of all holidays. Christmas morning, we launched an attack. So it, we we have a long history of, of all that. But I just read over the weekend we lost another service member. I think it was in Afghanistan. I should know, but the story and he wasn't from the south. But the story mentioned that he was on his ninth deployment overseas. And that's just way too much. Mm. And that, and you know when you talk oh, it's about it's never been. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's never been done in history. Yeah, when you talk uh, about unionization, I can see where that movement might gather steam, because that is just ridiculous that our service members are going that many times overseas in a war now going vol- on 15 years. Unless you volunteer, mm-hmm. there's no reason for you to go. I remember when I was a really young kid in a in the Korean War had just started. And one of my daddy's buddies from World War II, and heck, they had hit uh, Omaha Beach and been in the Black Forest and all that. He came by to tell my daddy goodbye that he was joining the Army again to go to Korea, and he got killed. Oh, man. Yeah, he got killed. So, I mean, you know, it's just, and then to hear this Afghanistan war is the longest war in American history. What's this in? It's 17th year? Yeah. Something crazy like that? I mean, and all we got to do is look back at history. Uh, they put Russia on their knees trying to take Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Napoleon couldn't take Afghanistan. Uh, Hannibal couldn't take Afghanistan. 
that terrain in that country over there with guerrilla warfighters and not knowing who's who without a football uniform and numbers on is impossible to dang take. So we need, you know, when we first went in over there, we were getting all this media hype. We had special forces guys riding camels, and I know one of those guys. And he rode, they rode camels in like they were, you know, doing something. And it looked like, y'all, we're going to go on in there real quick and get Afghanistan. That's But that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. You know, you weren't going to go in there. And, and what you pointed out, John, about a man leaving his family, how many tears did you say this I time? think this was nine, and that's probably there's probably more service members who've gone over more than that. See, I mean, that's completely uncalled for. It's, it's just no place, no place for that. I don't say you can have a standing army. You know, if you had, if they were, if it go back to uh, 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 recruiting, uh, but not recruiting, if we go back to the draft, we'd have a flood in it. We'd have to build a wall to keep our people in from going to Canada yeah. instead of one on the Mexican border to keep those people from coming. Well, that'd probably stop that flow yeah. if, uh, if, if, if that happened. And we but, love our military. I mean, we're not, we're not picking on our military. It's just, it's just maybe there's not enough military members and that's the reason for all these deployments. Well, you know, we're so, we're so low on ground troops. You know, I don't know the exact figures, but, you know, you take China, they've got a million ground troops. And, you know, we can't fight a conventional war with those kind of numbers and our numbers. Mm-hmm. And when, if we say we've got a half a million ground troops, which we don't, say if we've got 200,000 ground troops, you got to throw in clerks and other personnel that really aren't fighting troops. Yeah. So uh, we don't have that many ground. We're going to, if we don't have a deterrent, of, and I hate to say nuclear uh, defense, uh, we're, 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 we can't win a war. Well, this, not against a power. This was news to me just in the last week. I think I was watching something on television. And sure enough, some of our military leadership are in the stages of negotiating with the Taliban or whoever it is, Al Qaeda leaders in uh, Afghanistan. Uh. So there could be some compromising going on to get our military out of there totally. It's it's likely, let's be honest, it's likely a no-win situation. Always, it is a no-win. Uh, okay, no well, win. you can say that. It's likely no-win, and I hate to see I any more bloodshed no by our guys. Uh, and uh, and if, if our justification, as I've seen many times reported, is to help train women how to go to school and and kind of be a, a westernization of that part of the world that's no yeah. that's no defense whenever the other side has religion behind their argument and that we're the invaders that's a lot stronger argument than our trying to be the nice people and educate women uh that just doesn't hold up jerry thank you we've talked about a lot of stuff on our installment of short stories with you today have a great labor day we'll give you the day off well, that'll work. I, it, well, I can't. I worked yesterday, <laughs> and uh, today's Labor Day, right? Yeah. No, yeah. it's next week. But yeah. I've, I've worked. I, I'm a little bit confused because this is my 118th straight day, seven days a week, uh, four, 12 to 14 hours a day. So you can see where you're making, lucky I can even talk to you. You're making big <laughs> money. I need to come borrow some money from you, sir. Uh, I think it's got a place to land. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, thank you so much. All right, and, uh, we'll talk to you uh, live soon, sir. Thank you, sir. Hopefully, I, hopefully, I'm back uh, 
in Mississippi by then or somewhere, yeah, you know? Maybe so, maybe so. All right, partner. All right, Jerry Short, Teller of Tales from Takapola. Well, that will conclude our y'all show for today. We've got another action-packed show on the Tuesday, y'all. Don't miss it. I'm John Rawl thanking you for listening. I'm Jessica Alba, entrepreneur and mom. When it comes to helping students succeed, I'm all in. And so is Staples. That's why I'm teaming up with Staples for Students and DonorsChoose.org, the charity that helps teachers bring learning to life. Join us by donating in store or online at staplesforstudents.com. Your donation will help local teachers make a difference for their students because every kid deserves a great start this school year. 